An old book. A book about witchcraft. You're listening to the Whitewood Podcast, a show about mystery schools, the occult, and witchcraft. Would you like to have a look around? Why have you come to Whitewood? Well, because I'm interested in witchcraft. I'm your host, Nate. Come with us as we delve into the history, techniques, and backstories of these traditions and the people who practice them. Welcome back to the Whitewood Podcast. My name is Nate Driscoll, and this week we're bringing on a guest. I've been very excited because uh, this weekend we spent some time in Denver, and a huge group of occultists, many of whom I really genuinely have had long-term relationships with. We had met, what, a year, two years ago? And one of the things that was really interesting when I met you was we clicked off literally immediately. We did. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So to introduce, uh, you're my friend Lyric. Hi, Nate. Yeah. And um, I thought it was really funny when we first met because we clicked off to the point where, not to be crude, but like within the first two hours of being in a room together, we were comfortable enough that we were talking about like, Everything from, like, emotional trauma to periods to, like, you know, hormones to, like, you know, like, stuff that's going on in our personal life. And it was just, like, an immediate mesh. It really was. It really was. Yeah. <laughs> we, got, we got real personal real fast, but it was easy. Yeah. Right? It was super easy. Yeah. And um, I like that. I like going deep with people. It's fun. Yeah. No, right? absolutely. I think I think uh, our depth of relationships are based in how, you know, like, the, the, the strength of our relationships are based in the depth we can go together. Yeah, and yeah. and when you're in a safe enough environment, because you can tell pretty quick how people are responding to stuff, right? And when you're in a safe enough environment that you can open up to some of the stuff that you like might be either a taboo topic or a more vulnerable side of yourself, uh-huh. you're you're just really tearing down those layers of filters that we sit in between ourselves in order to like protect our ego and like our own, <laughs> you know, like our own bullshit, you know. And uh, what what I loved about meeting you is that it was almost as if those filters weren't there from the beginning. It wasn't necessarily we had to like work on tearing them down. It was like, no, I don't think they were really there. I mean, we were, you mean, you know, you meet a new person, you're initially a little cautious, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we're like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, I know you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Cause you do. Cause we know other people that are awesome and in our community and stuff like that. Right. So, um, we bring on a lot of different guests. We talk about a lot of different types of occult stuff. And I know I've talked to you a little bit about some of the different traditions that landed you where you are. What was the first um, aspect of the occult or esotericism or like some type of practice towards, you know, those types of efforts that acted as like that spark moment that we were like, oh, hey, what's this interesting thing that led you down the road that you went down? Oh, that's a great question. Um, from an occult perspective, I took a mythology class in high school. Okay. And uh, Greek and Roman, you know, the mm-hmm. standard, right? And um, our teacher decided that she wanted us to write like a creation myth. Mm-hmm. And my creation myth was me as God. Okay. Yeah. That's hilariously <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. And uh, she got, she took me aside and she's like, I'm really uncomfortable with this. And I was like, okay. Yeah. 
And I said, I get an A though, right? Right. <laughs> Was it well written enough that I get an A for yeah, making right? you uncomfortable? Exactly, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And it was that place where I, I woke up and I said, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Something, something's deeper here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, uh, and, you know, I had no words. Or I triggered a lady back then. Right, right, <laughs> you right, know, I was right, like, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, made, I made this teacher mad because I had the audacity, the boldness yeah. to say, hey, and this was fiction, right? It's yeah. a creation myth. Like, what, what's uncomfortable? Right. Right. So I thought that was interesting. And then um, I just kept going down that road. I was like, well, these these people are interesting. What's this about? Yeah. And reading a few more things and then meeting um, meeting a witch. Yeah. And she and I hit it off and she's like, I've got this place. Come. And I dove into, you know, Wicca, Gardnerian Wicca. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really timely. It really did me well in my life. Right. And um, yeah, it just unfolded from there. And my my passion has always been ritual. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that I remember you opening up a lot about when we first met was this the ritual for the mechanism of uh achieving ecstasy like to like you were really really big at that point on like that concept of like dissolving into ecstasy dissolving into ecstasy yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah but there was also something else that you had just said that uh kind of reminds me of something that was almost like a precursor like foreshadowing towards occult practice you were talking about how your teacher had been like wow this makes me really really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and i think that there's a solid thing to be said about the theme in occult practice across the board being some of this will challenge you by making you a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And there might be a lot of discomfort at times. Yeah, absolutely. But that you're still, you know, like you're still finding your own self power. And and I think it was really elegant that the, the thing made someone uncomfortable and was about your own personal power. You know, like it was about like yeah. your own divinity yeah. <laughs> and, this, and this mythology that you had created. Right? I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you were mentioning uh, that you got into Wicca first. I think uh. that's a really common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I myself found Wicca first. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, it was that I was starting to renounce the religions that I was raised in. Mm-hmm. And then... I didn't really know what else there was because I was living in such a closed, protected family that, like, no one had ever explained to me, like, here's the 50,000 religions that exist and all their subcultures and all these things, right? Uh, I was just like, oh, well, there's the people that don't like me and the people they don't like. Mm -hmm. And so if these people don't like me, I should go hang out with the witches. And that was, like, the only comprehension that I really had at that age, right? Sure. Uh, And then often people... uh, we'll kind of use that as a launching off point. And, mm-hmm. and that's a really common thing that I find in Wicca is that uh, people either get a whole ton out of it or it's a perfect launching off point into other stuff. Well, I think Wicca is the pagan lingua franca, okay. if you will. Like it's the easiest thing in. They're, they're very numerous. It's, it's, it's an easy way in. Yeah. And most places that would have called them pagan, you know, I was doing this in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Wicca was in the swing, right? right? right and so yeah. when you went to a place that said, hey, we're doing this thing, we're celebrating the earth, we're, you know, dancing under the moon, you right. know, the rituals are typically going to be Wiccan. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Was it a specific branch of Wiccan? Like, was it more like down like the uh, like the Gardner route, or the more Alexandrian style, or was it more like free form? Well, it was an interesting place. Um, it was a interfaith sanctuary of Earth religion, mm-hmm. and these folks were building uh, standing stones on top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, rollers and ropes, three ton stone by hand wow. you know rolling it yeah I, I called it the blood sweat and tears paganism <laughs> <laughs> i was really like cool. they were intense people yeah and so the person who was you know doing a lot of ritual when she did training she did gardenarian yeah okay but it was a gathering place for people of any tradition so there were alexandrians there there was a camp that they were alexandrians mm-hmm. some they were the radical fairies um you know a bunch of different people doing different things so anybody could be um like a couple in service and have their team do ceremony yeah yeah, absolutely. Because you know they gathered for new and full moons, and right. it was a good time. It okay, was a so good assume time. assume one of the listeners has never experienced any Wiccan rite whatsoever, no ritual, no initiation. They they're they're walking in for the first time. Describe like what that felt like, the emotional connection that you had. You're walking in, you don't know what it is. Mm. You know you like this person. You know, mm-hmm. like obviously you connected with them enough to show up. Right. Right. But then like there's still like that, what is this mysterious thing aspect? And then if it is an appropriate thing to comment on, because I know some things are more private and we like those kind of things, um, what what did you actually find there? Like what did the ritual look like and what was the thing that hooked you and kept you there as opposed to it just being like a passing fancy where you say, oh, that's an interesting, I'll go check that out for a weekend. And oh, you know what? I'm glad that some people are doing that, but it's not for me. Like, what was the thing that hooked you into it? I believe it was an energetic. Okay. Um, I couldn't tell you what my very first ritual looked like. I have no memory of it. Really? All I knew, That's awesome. None. Yeah. And all I knew was I needed to go back. Hmm. And then I just kept going back. And then I kept going back. And then I was like, this ritual stuff, this fascinates me. Yeah. And I walked up to people, you know, I'd find out who was in service and say, do you need any help? Yeah. You know, I, I'd scrub the base of the mother stone if that's what they wanted me to do. Yeah, totally. You know, and, you know, in Wicca, of course, that's maiden work, right? You know, like you start out as the acolyte and you do the dirty work. I'll clean up after ritual. I'll do the things with the candles, that kind of thing. I, and I would do anybody that wanted any help at all. Yeah. Um, because I was just fascinated. And it was the pageantry of it, too, right? Like um, the ritual with the beautiful altar and, you know, people dressed well and costumes sometimes, depending on if the costume was required or if it was just beautiful robes or something, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of movement in that kind of thing um, where I was exploring that. And then somebody would come up with some working and... You do a working. Yeah. You call elements, you know, you have your weapons, right? Your earth, air, fire, and water. Right. And you build your space and you do the work. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It was energetically beautiful. It was physically beautiful. It was creatively beautiful. Um, it caught me lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. I was like, this is where I need to be. And when you found yourself... So there's something to be said about the ancient ideas about like the way that beauty enters the body Mm. and the way that beauty is experienced as like 
this this external divinity entering through the eyes and mm. and thus creating the change in the individual of the emotional state mm-hmm. right and so you you find this beauty and you find yourself in a community of people that are also uh experiencing that together yeah and some of them are on the lower end they're just getting started and and there's like there's something very real about how the service of taking care of the temple is a really great starting point for getting connected with devotional work, getting connected with magical work and doing so in an environment where you start to, you start to learn how service is a magical operation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to be willing to do that piece in order to do the other things. Right. Um, I learned a lot by doing that. You're doing whatever work they want and they're talking Right. You're listening. Right. You know? right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you get to be in for the conversation. They're practicing now. and you're watching. Yeah. Right. You see what works. You experience their voices, their energy. What are they bringing to the table? Right. I mean, and then, then you get to experience the ceremony itself. It's right. powerful stuff. Especially if they're good at it. I will say this to people who are listening that haven't been around for a really long time, right? Um, I'm talking to you directly, I promise. So uh, when you find that first group and it's not what you expected and you're like, wow, that's a really big letdown. Nate sure sold that really hard because all of this podcast seems super interesting. But then I go and see and it's a super big letdown that I wasn't emotionally invested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go find another group and give it another try. Exactly. There's some people that are good at it, like really good, good at, at it, it. <laughs> and it is going to blow your mind. It's it is true. Amazing. It's true. And so, if you're lucky, you get that right out of the gate. Yeah. Um. And if if it feels just like, wow, that was kind of a letdown. Go try something else. Yeah. You know, I I, I have a motto: try mm-hmm. anything twice, unless it's egregious. Okay. Like, yeah, you should yeah. try anything yeah. twice. Like so, for example, Noticon, right? My first Notacon, the Notacon had, you know, its way with me more than I had my way with Notacon. Mm-hmm. Notacon's its own kind of entity. I'm experiencing its thing for the first time. And it's a different kind of reception than when I go to the next Notacon and I'm engaging more fully with the energetic of Noticon and the people. Right. 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 It's a very and different so experience. For yeah. people so, for people that don't know what Noticon is, um, Noticon is the National Ordo Templi Orientis um, Convention uh, where members of the Fraternal Order get together from all over the country and we have party and we eat food together and enjoy each other's company and there's lectures and there's, yeah. you know, like there's ritual and... Um, just an incredible sense of community. Absolutely. Right? Family. And, and not to say that that's the only place that it exists in the occult world either. I would say that it's one of the really amazing things is that there's a lot of communities out there. Some of them I'm a member of and some of them I'm not. But I still like really think that it's amazing when somebody can go into a space like that and find support, find people who are interested in the same types of topics that you are, find people who are starting to experiment with a philosophy that you're really into or vice versa, you know, like exactly. you're just starting and they, and they have been experimenting with it for a long time so they can cue you into certain types of books and stuff or just have some drinks, enjoy company with people that see things the way that you do. I mean, it's a really powerful experience to be surrounded it, by. It really is. I mean, we crave community. We, I mean, we like our quiet time. We all like our quiet time, especially here, right? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and at the same time, 
we do crave community, that camaraderie, that building of the energy that keeps us going. It, you know, it stokes the fires of connection for the work we do. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I think that personal connection deeply matters. Uh, I think that's why, um, organized religion has worked for as long as it has. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's a major component. It's a major component to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I find that it feels good. It just feels good. Everybody feels happy. And, you know, when you're in a good space with your community, you know, there's, there's, it releases all the good, you know, endorphins, right? You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Right. So that, that brings to, to mind. So you're, you're experiencing Wicca for the first time, you know, yeah. you found this, this group of people and, uh, would you comment on like the, the aspect of community, what you felt in that community? What were some of the things that you found, um, positive because there's, there's, there's people practicing alone and that's totally okay. Like, right. the, you know, like there are enough materials out there where you can get started and really get pretty far without anybody at all. Mm-hmm. But there, there is something really just human about community. I think that, and this is me, mm-hmm. I was like, no, this yeah, is my mileage. I honestly believe based on my experience that I did a lot of solitary stuff. I did yoga solitary. Sure. I did some magic solitary, you know, um, but until I understood the experience and, and deeply grokked the experience of group work, yeah, it was then when I became a better solitary practitioner. Oh, that's interesting. So it didn't just make you good at doing group work. It made you better at doing solitary work. Absolutely. It absolutely made me a better, more powerful solitary witch. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really solid um, and you know my private practice my my solitary practice is still something that I do consistently yeah and I also will not give up my group practice as right. much as I can get of that um, because it's rejuvenating right it's generative right um, when we you know we're with ourselves and then we're with the other being with the other is generative yeah you know, absolutely um, you know when it's really good right when we uplift and inspire each other yeah and okay you just touched on the word inspire mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the biggest things about community for myself is I don't want to live in a world where my heroes are long dead and gone and I'm reading their words in a cold paper now it's great to have some heroes from history. Mm-hmm. I want to be inspired by people who are my contemporaries and be a part of something where they're an inspiration to me and then I am an inspiration to others and it's this large interconnected network of people that I look up to regardless of status, regardless of oh he's the high priest or he's a higher degree in the order or you know like there are people who inspire the shit out of me that are, you know, just coming in the door for the first time. And sure. I see a trait in them or I see a hunger or a thirst for information in them. And I'm like, wow, man, that's really inspiring that that person just dove right into that particular magic system that I've always thought was kind of interesting. But I've been working over in this other field of research right now. And like, I, I don't want to live in a world where my, my heroes are ghosts. I, I get want, you there. I yeah. want to live in a world where my heroes are my family. I you get know? that. I, lo- I have enjoyed meeting people that I've read their book or I've seen them on a Zoom, right? Yeah, <laughs> or something absolutely. of that nature. And then going to magnificent classes that I'm like, wow, thank you for that. Yeah. 
thank you for that transmission. I really appreciate your voice. And yeah. I, I experienced that a lot this weekend. I did too. Yeah, that was one of the things that I found really like, really uh, empowering for myself is uh, there were a, a large deal of pretty prominent authors that were here with us this, this particular weekend. At this particular Absolutely. Event, you know? Yeah. And um, many of their works I've, I've read over and been like, wow, really like his writing style, like the way that this other one describes this other thing. This, this other author really makes me think. I had never you know, viewed any of this in, in that aspect. And you start to, especially if you're disconnected from like mainstream media celebrity culture, yeah. you start to really be like, wow, man, this guy really gets it. I really look up to this person. And then you go meet him and they're like, like a real human being and they're, they're like, real human hey man, you want to go get yeah. a chicken sandwich? Yeah. And you're like, fuck yeah, I do. You know, like, <laughs> right. like they're like real to you. Yeah. And, and it's awesome because it kind of breaks down that wall of these people being like unapproachable and like often pedestals somewhere that, you know, like you meet them in person and don't get me wrong. There's, there's asshole fucking authors all over the place. Sure. Right? Sure, sure. I didn't run into any this weekend. I didn't but, either. You know, <laughs> there are asshole authors all over the fucking place, but like, most of those types of people are just excited that, you know, they, they wrote that book and it took hundreds of hours to do that. Absolutely. That's hard work. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they did it because they're interested and obsessed with this information. Right. Just it's like the you passion. are. It's a passion. It's a passion. Yeah. Right. And it consumes them and it consumes mm. you because, mm. you know, like you're also one of the people that's sitting there reading this book thinking, oh my God, that's so interesting. I got to get more. I got to, you know, like, like see more information about this. What are the sources that are cited in the footnotes? What are the, you know, and one of the things that I've noticed reaching out to people and being like, hey, you know, I had a question about chapter five in your book that you wrote 20 years ago, and I, I don't even know that you're going to respond. And then like an hour later, you know, they're like, <laughs> nice. I'm just so happy that someone wants to talk about this because all I ever want to do is talk about, about this. this. And like, they're <laughs> nice. excited that you're excited about the same information that well, you sure. are. Well, you know? sure. I mean, I sure. I think that, I mean, why put out the information if... There was no reception. Again, no less yeah. for results, but right, at the right. same time, it feels kind of good when there's some results. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that um, uh, admiring um, people that do that kind of scholarship. Yeah. Um, for me, it's appropriate because I'm unlikely to do that level of scholarship. Sure. I've got other. Th- paths and things I work on. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really wonderful to be able to experience people that have really thought about a particular aspect of something and get their download. Yeah. Right. And, you know, in your hour talk. Um, no, I'm never going to be, I may never be an expert on that or I might, who knows, maybe I'll go down that rabbit hole too, right. you know, right. uh, because they may inspire me to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> but, then, but then like also um, kind of to follow up what you were saying is like, a community takes all sorts of people. It really you does. Know? And so it is awesome to be able to talk to some of the people that are like doing the scholarly research. But then it's also really interesting to talk to some of the people who are, you know, approaching it from a different aspect. Because every single member of this community is valuable to me. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I had a really, really um, – I don't want to get into like specifics on degrees and stuff like that. But there was, there was an individual who um, was just now entering our community. It was, they, they had just found our community like, like 16 months ago and they were here immersed in like the deep end of the pool where, you know, like everybody, (laughs) uh, everyone that's not at this hotel right now, 
over the past weekend, like we notice that you're not here. The list of people that are here right now is bigger than the list of people who are not here in like <laughs> right. in our circle of <laughs> like right. interests. It's amazing, right? <laughs> and so to get like to get to get like their perspective and like I've been doing this particular branch of magic for 10 years. I'm starting to forget a little bit of what it felt like on day 1. The things that would like was like, oh, you know, I I, uh, I'm a little nervous about this. I don't want to come off as if I don't know what I'm talking about, but I don't want to come off as an expert because then people, you know, might, might think I'm pretentious and man, the mysteries are really interesting and I haven't really gotten to engage with them too much yet, but, but I know that, I know that there's something of value here. And, and like that whole mindset that we, that, I mean, like I know I had when I first joined our community mm-hmm. and here I'm talking to somebody, it's, you know, they're in month 16 of, the same journey I've been here for 10 years, the same journey that some of the people downstairs have been here in for, what, 50 years? 50 years, yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely, right? All right. And so, so it's like it, that also has value, and those people are also really valuable in the same way that, and this is going to be a weird, obscure side reference, but in the same way that like if you're like an alcoholic going through like a support group, like, mm-hmm. a, like a step system, like Alcoholics Anonymous or something like that, the person who's been sober for 15 years is as valuable as the person who stops drinking yesterday because the person who stops drinking yesterday can gain a lot of inspiration and technique and how do you you know do this from the person who's been doing it for 15 years but the person who's been doing it for 15 years needs to look at the person who quit yesterday because he needs to remember he needs to look at it and be like you know what i really can't go back to that you know like i i really i i need to draw inspiration from that mindset. And so it's a similar thing where somebody walks in and you look at them and you're like, how awesome is it to be able to look back in time and to see that first moment of like approaching a community and that, that blank slate experience. So it's not quite a good analogy. Cause like, you know, like in AA, there's a little bit of like, you know, I don't want to go back to that. Whereas like in our community, it's almost like you do kind of want to go back to it because you want that blank slate experience Absolutely. again. I, I think it's important to go back to be in a place of beginner's mind. Yeah, yeah. Beginner's mind is so important. Um, I, I want to be like, well, I don't know. Right. And let's just find right. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Um, because, you know, obviously I know that I know far less than there is to know. Yeah. And the day you think you have it all figured out, tomorrow you're going to get hit by a truck. Like, <laughs> and it's it's going to be one of those like psychological mind fucks where you're like, oh, I had very little figured out. Like, yeah. I, it, it happens to me all of the time where I'm like, I have, I have definitely learned everything that there is to learn about this one particular symbol or whatever. Have and you now? And then the next day, I crumble <laughs> under the weight of the new information that had not yet been released on my brain. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I remember this feeling. Oh, Let's you- fucking do this. You taunted your higher self. Yeah. You taunted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 a humbling experience, and I, I, you know, I enjoy the destruction of the ego a lot. Like, I, there's a reason why I experimented with the types of things that I did throughout my life, and I, the sensation of being broken down and like reverting back. You know, like in alchemy, it's it's that process of calcination where mm-hmm. you're like you're breaking down everything that's you know and turning into an ash state. And I, I like that breaking down of the ego. I, I think uh, the dissolution of the ego is uh, primary importance to personal work, self development, yeah. like evolu- evolving my soul, right. evolving me, becoming a better human being. Um, I think that has to dissolve in order for that to happen. 
Um, and everybody's on their own journey with that, right? Everybody's at their own pace. Everybody's yeah. doing their own thing. And you're going to come at it from whatever way you come at it. Um, that's what I like about um, Thalema in particular mm-hmm. is we all have our angle, right? Yeah. It's the acknowledgement of the individual perception with you as as a divine being who I can't see through your eyes, but I can experience you through mine. Yeah. Right. And finding the connections and also like really celebrating the differences. Like, wow, this guy's really intense on this thing that like when I read about it, Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then picking their brain after they finally get it is one of the best it's experiences. Because you're like, man, I, that was going in one ear and out the other for me. Because like, you find yourself reading random 14th century manuscripts that have been translated three <laughs> times into different languages. And it's just, it's not resonating. And you're, right. like, you're like, I don't understand even the syntax context, not to mention like what is happening here. Mm-hmm. And then like, like for example, one of the guys here uh, that did a presentation, he uh, he studied like two pages of a book that is on many of our bookshelves for like a year and a half because it was just cryptic enough that he was like, "There's something to this, but I really can't comprehend because this author's not really good at this." And he wrote it originally in this old language, and the context has changed since the 1600s, and like. And he just couldn't drop it, you know? <laughs> I need to know what this says. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> right? And, yeah. And, and that's the, yeah. oh, what's that? Yeah, and then Ooh. he comes out of that yeah. year of studying two fucking pages in this larger manuscript. You know, yeah. well, it's a book. I don't know that I'd call it a manuscript. But, you know, he comes out out of that experience. And, and he's got this very incredibly interesting mathematical process that's laid out in those two pages that was just, it was worded confusingly. And like, it, it, it goes into like, like taking uh, this from this specific breakdown of the Hebrew alphabet and then like astrologically associating it over to this other system. And I was in, in order that to class. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, it's like the thing that is so awesome about being around that person uh-huh. is that like, you know, I read those two pages and felt burnt out by it and was currently in the midst of passion with this other text. Right. And so I set it down and I was like, man, I am super fucking curious about that. And I would love to dive really deep into it and I'll probably get to it next. And then you talk to somebody who just went through it and they're like, Hey, I figured it out. <laughs> here's step one. Here's step two. It's here's good. step three. It's good. And you're like, oh shit! Now that I've seen it in that format, like that actually makes a lot of sense. And now I can reference back to those pages, and you know, it's clearer. You know, it's good. And and um, the times when somebody who does that, right? And I was lost, mm-hmm. right? Like I got lost by that. I I have no idea what that said. You know what that said? Yo, you want to share what that said? Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I think we have our deep divers, yeah. and I think they're necessary. Yeah. Um, because not everybody has the inspiration to go down some of those rabbit holes. Sure. But those rabbit holes are really important <clears throat> to be unpacked. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, what's in there? Hey, you know, excellent. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you, my friend. Right? Yeah. Um, so... I think that community matters because it's how we share um, all of our expertise, all of our wills, all of our interests, all of our 
you know, just, oh my God, did you hear about this? And it's also how we right? celebrate the ecstasy that is communication and experiencing each other. Absolutely. Like, like the, the, the experience of experiencing other people while they're experiencing you. <laughs> I know, right? You know, it, like, like we deal with it on a daily basis. So we don't think about how mm-hmm. fucking magical that alone is and how like th- there's a fucking mystic secret in the fact that we are capable of having a conversation in the first place. Right. It's amazing. And and to experience the ecstasy of emotionally bonding or intellectually bonding or just talking to that other person mm-hmm. alone is something of import. Okay, so one thing that before we get too far away from it, because I know that if I don't bring it up now, I'm going to forget. And I really want to touch on it because it was an interesting thing that you said. You mentioned how important certain types of these things are and then you kind of like stated a goal as you were describing it. And it, I think that outside of the occult, people don't realize that's a really common goal. But inside the occult, it's all we're fucking talking about. Right. And it's this self-development idea of mm-hmm. like, I need to do this so I can become better, you know, so that I can improve myself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like that's a really, really common trait where people in our community are trying to be well-educated on various topics, whether that's like the more mathy stuff that we were just talking about, sure. philosophy, emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. some of the self-help, like psychological information that's available, like you just at your local Barnes and Noble, you know, like, like those types of things. Um, so I guess my question is, if you would talk towards that point of like, if, if we're experimenting with magic, first off, how is it helping you self-develop? And second off, why do you give a fuck to self-develop? Okay. Well, um, I think I'll answer the second one first. Okay. Um, why do I give a fuck to self-develop? Uh, so I'm a, a good human. Yeah. I'm here to do good. Yeah. I'm here to uplift. I'm here to inspire. I'm here to love. Um, me working on me, me taking care of me is how I take care of my community. Mm-hmm. And... The deeper we go into our own well-being and into a place of deeply loving ourselves and understanding our own spark, our own divinity, um, the I am God, right? Yeah. And understanding that everybody I'm looking at is there too. Like that's, I'm looking at myself. Right. Right. And sometimes it's real tangible right up in your face. And yeah. Otherwise, it's more of this like, wow, I'm looking at this other brilliant creature I can care for that creature, that being, that human, that animal, the what, the plant, whatever it is, right? Because that's true, right? Yeah. When we're connecting with any living thing, but people in general, like I'm connecting with this person, this human. How can I be the best human I can be to connect well with this other human because I want to care about you. I want to be kind. Right. I want to be loving. Um, I think it's the work. Yeah. Right? So we can better be with each other yeah right you know i ask relationships people that have been relationships a long time number one communicate 
Communication is key. Communicate, communicate. Especially, especially if your your relationship is going to be non-traditional in any fucking in respect any whatsoever. any kind of way. And laugh. Yeah, yeah. Know how to laugh, yeah, right? Absolutely. Laugh at yourself. Laugh at our foibles, yeah. right? Communication, humor, like not taking things so personally all the time. Right. And then when you accidentally do, because we all take things a little personally Absolutely sometimes. Absolutely, we do. And we internalize some bullshit. You know? <laughs> it's I'm a true totally story. there with everybody else doing the same shit in my own head. Yeah, right? Uh, oh, but like you when do that you too? Do, yeah. Like, talk to people about it admit to like like especially Mm -hmm. if you're gonna spend 20 50 you know a million years with your fucking partner right right if you're gonna do that like the next time you feel self-conscious just fucking tell them well you know (laughs) right it's like they already know you know what i mean if you're spending so much time with someone you got friends or deep friends or partner they already know yeah Right. Um, tell them. Well, one you know, thing. One I think thing they really know helps. on a subliminal level, but yeah, you know, we we are we're conscious of energy if we're conscious of energy in our partners, right? right? Um, but the verbal always helps people out. Yeah, just help them yeah, out because what what can happen, <laughs> and, and definitely talking about myself here, like what what can happen is, uh, you know. I have an interaction with somebody. Let's say it's somebody that I've been intimate with for 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. right? And I love this person very, very much, right? And they might say something that I react to, and I might react in a way that, you know, comes off as one thing, but was really another thing. Sure. Maybe you sounded just like my mother in that moment. Maybe you triggered some trauma that I have from an argument 15 years ago with a friend. Who knows? Like, whatever the thing is, I respond to not what you said, but to how I felt. 15 years ago towards mm-hmm. whatever that thing is. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if I don't tell you that and open up and take accountability for that and be like, Hey, you know what? I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to be like that. And Holy fuck. Like I, I feel bad. And this is where that was coming from. And like communicate, like, like actually communicate well, about well, it. Well, be an intimacy. Then, right. Then that person can a lot of times internalize it and it can become like a two way disruption where they might be like, Oh man, that person yelled at me the same way that my dad did or like, totally. Oh shit. I didn't realize that that was such a top touchy topic for that person. I fucked up. I'm such a piece of shit in a relationship because you know, and they can get, so you got in your own head. Absolutely. And then they get in their own head. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that disrupts that, you know, that reverberation that causes all the distortion is to just, Hey, this is what really happened, and I'm really sorry. Like, yeah, this you know? was happening for me. This it, it wasn't about you, right? Right. That that place around this was said. I'm not blaming you, but this is how I re- took, you know, received it yeah. because of my own stuff. Right. Right. Our honesty with each other, our directness with each other around those kinds of things is really important. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to live in a place where the people closest to me aren't willing to tell me what's going on or I can't tell them what's going on. Yeah. And you know, it's like a ripping the bandaid thing off. Mm -hmm. Like one of the best things you can do is go tell people how you really feel. And the ones that flip out or are shitty about it or are toxic about it, just be like, Oh fuck, that person wasn't my friend or loved one in the first place. There's something askew here. I'm sure better off by knowing that now. Right. And now I can tend to that fucking, you know, that situation. Or maybe I choose to leave the situation. Well, it's a know? it's a definite red flag, right? right? If somebody can't, you know, experience you as you. Right. Right. Um, especially feelings, right? And, and because we are feeling creatures, we're emoting creatures. And, you know, I think a lot of us have shut down some things. But I don't want to be shut down. I want to be open. I yeah. want to be a, have a healthy emotional body. I want to be able to 
you know, move my emotions, let it flow through. And then I'm, I'm in the next space and I'm changed because I did that work. Right. Right. I, I think emotional work, um, you know, it's often characterized by the moon, by the waters. Well, we're mostly water. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning how to manage your water <laughs> is important. What are you saying you know, to yourself? Specifically what are you in water and, and like moon cycles and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I've often wondered, okay, so you're 70% water. Mm-hmm. And we understand the relationship between gravity and water. Like the moon has its own gravitational pull. It creates the, the pull of the tides. Mm-hmm. The reason why there's a high tide and a low tide is this, you know, water sloshing back and forth, reacting to the gravitational pull of the moon, right? And we're all aware of that. And that's scientific. And nobody thinks anything mystical about it, right? Mm-hmm. And then... Then there's us. There's like a human being made of 70% water, and it's mm-hmm. a very easily disruptible system. We know that it's an easily disruptible system. Because if I'm too fucking hungry, I get grumpy. And if I take a little bit of that medicine over there, then it might make me all drained and weird and right, zonked out. Or, right. you know, maybe it's a healthy thing and it, like, adjusts me. Like, you're this really, really temperate balance where it's, it's not hard to unbalance in this direction or that direction. It's true. Using, ex- like, environmental factors, Right. Out of every astrological thing that's out there where they're like, that random star right there is associated with money and communication. And then, and then the moon is associated with, you know, the emotional state. And I mean, are you not a bag of water that's regularly going through a cycle of this gravitational scientific <laughs> We are scientific totally a bag pull, of water. You know? <laughs> we are totally like, a bag of water. Would it really be that much of a stretch to assume that, like, you know, that cycle, which pulls millions of gallons of water several feet to the left and the right you know every single day it's affecting us it's affecting us there probably is a a less mystical reason for that particular one than people are willing to admit Mm -hmm. now i can understand you know like uh if you if you're coming from a more pragmatic stance on astrology and like maybe maybe some of the more distant planets you don't really like see eye to eye with the idea of cause and effect between this thing and that thing i will tell you that i disagree with you if that is your opinion it's not yeah like <laughs> i uh, i have seen a lot of really really interesting things with astrology that kind of blow my mind but hey planetary you know, magic that neat. one okay but the moon one kind of freaks me out no the moon you know, one is really important i mean I- i'm a I, I believe in vibration. Okay, yeah. Like, like I mean, I don't. I mean, I believe in it because it's a thing. It's, yeah, absolutely. You know, quantifiable. Yeah. Um, our water, as shown, mm-hmm. um, responds to vibration. So, if I choose my vibrations that I have around me, and that what I'm taking into me, right, then I'm choosing my vibration. And there's something really, really real about the way your environment shapes your psychology absolutely even if you take a step into the like the more scientific side of stuff Mm -hmm. and you're not looking at the mystical and the vibrations and the you know like those types of things if you're only looking at how does color therapy affect human beings what about aromatherapy do certain smells bring out certain types of things in human beings of course they do yeah color is your house their color is your office yeah why do casinos use certain types of colors in the the inside of the building and different colors on the outside why is the McDonald's logo the colors that it is? Because your environment and the information that you take in through your eyes has a strong and well-documented effect on your psychology. Absolutely. As does what we hear. Absolutely. Yeah. And the amount of... Like, one of the things that is very obvious to me this particular weekend is I'm taking regular breaks, coming back to my hotel room, closing the door, sitting alone in the quiet, 
and like letting myself decompress for like 10 minutes. Because one of the things that I'm finding is I'm going downstairs being surrounded by a million people that I love and one of the best environments that I've ever been in in my life. But there's so many people and everything's talking and there's all this noise and the vibration in the air Mm -hmm. and the, it's, you know, like I'm getting like fatigued by the social side of it. Right. And And it's not that the vibration is low or anything or even off. It's just a lot intense. Yeah. It's just intense. It's just intense, right? And I'm like, take a break. Yeah. And I think that's healthy. We go back to that place around personal development right there. Okay. That is you taking care of you for me. And that's me taking care of me for you. Okay. So to to also tie back into the personal development thing, you know, we talked about like this, this like desire to be mentally healthy and emotionally healthy individuals. Mm -hmm. And we talked about why you would want to do that, right? But how does your practice make that happen? What is it about, like, first off, what are you, what does your personal practice look like? Mm-hmm. And how does it create that cause for that effect? Like, you're doing a thing for a goal. You're saying, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I'm doing these types of things because it makes me a better person, and here's why I value those things. Mm-hmm. What is it about your practice that you're getting something out of? And what does it look like when you're doing your practice? Um, my practice keeps me centered and balanced. Okay. Uh, my practice keeps me um, rooted in me, mm-hmm. um, which um, <laughs> I'm going to go on my little hope tirade, okay? Okay. All right. <laughs> so I call myself hope-free. Okay. I am hope-free. I like reality. I like to look at reality. I like to say, I don't like that reality. I'm going to change that reality. I'm not going to hope about the reality. I'm going to change the reality. Okay. Right? So I don't smoke the hopium. (laughs) The hopium. Okay. 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 I do not smoke the hopium. Yeah. And um, for me, I'm just like, oh, I want this in my world. Okay, I'm going to do what it takes to make this happen in my world Mm -hmm. and focus on that. And then there's a point where you're like, okay, that's not moving. What, what do I need to do different? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, hope doesn't help me do that, right? Um, being inspired helps me do that. Feeling strong like this must be in my world or I want to explore this inside of me or I would really like to kind of edge, you know, smooth that edge out. Yeah. Right? Um, and so it's me doing that work that makes me a better human. I want to be a better human because I want to relate better. Right. And so you think that it's giving you a tool in order to shape yourself in a way that you deem you should be. And it's so like you're 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 talking a little I bit de- about like I, well, I've got this rough edge. I'm I've decided sh- that it's going to be this way. I'm going to shape myself into a, the absolutely know, the absolutely that edge. right. You know, right. and we're using that rock shaping kind of thing. I usually call it alchemy. You know, yeah. think about that, yeah. the crucible and going in and, and doing the transmutation of, and it's not that, oh, this is, this thing is horrible about me. It's like, oh, wow, I had this really strong reaction to this thing. What's under there? Yeah. Let me uncover yeah, yeah. that. So the next time I have an interaction with somebody, which where that might, might come up, maybe it's not so strong, it might still come up. Right. But let me do the work so that I can free myself from things that keep me in bondage. Yeah. Right? Things that keep me 
not fully being myself. Because it's putting you in the driver's seat. Right. Because, yeah, and that's the thing. I want to be in the driver's seat of my world, right? Right. Uh, and Tarot Ali, reality selection. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for me, reality is important. Like, I'm in this reality. I'm experiencing this world in this way right now, right? And, of course, it's through my lens and yours your mileage may vary. Oh, of course, yeah. And But it helps me be more concrete about the steps I need to take to do change. Okay. Right? Um, and, and a lot of times it's ritual. It's dance. It's creativity. It's um, me going, hey, <laughs> Jupiter and Venus are conjunct. Gee, I've got Jupiter, Venus conjunct in my chart. You think maybe I should do some magic? Right. And work that energy and we're like really see what does that bring up in me? How does that become its its shining light? Yeah. You know, it's balanced well. Right. right? Um, and the short answer is this. I don't understand why people don't do it. Well, I don't understand. I mean, I don't. I don't agree with why they don't do it, but I. But I. I can. I can understand why. Like, like the the number one reason why people are not fucking with the occult in general is because there were people telling them for generations, for thousands of years, sure, and trying I'm, to shape communities for thousands and, of and years by telling them, oh, hey, by the way, that's dangerous and you'll lose yourself. No, I get that you know? from that perspective, but I'm talking more about the personal development. Oh, piece. yeah, yeah, totally. Like how, yeah. whatever you use, maybe it's the right. occult, maybe it's, you, you know, yoga. I don't know. Everybody's going to do what they're going to do to get to those places where they, they hopefully want, well, not everybody's going to do it, but people that choose to do it they're going to do whatever practices they're going to do and it is about personal development it is about being a better human it is about how do i do good in the world it is about how do i make space for everybody else to be in their their effulgence and their light yeah right um you know we say every man and woman is a star right i believe that yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, wow, look at your, your look at you shine. I want you to shine because right. I want to shine. Right. Right. Um, and when we allow people to be in their, their that place, um, not that we're allowing them, we're allowing them for ourselves. Okay. Not that I'm putting anything on them. They get to do what they get to do. Right. Totally. Right? totally. Um, but when I allow them to be them for myself, mm-hmm. um, I can experience all kinds of grand, beautiful things from this authentic human being who's being real with me. Right. Um, And again, we come back down to connection. We come back down to community. You know, um, I think somewhere out there it says that people feel loved when they are heard. Hmm. Right. Um, There's some really thought-provoking truth in that statement. Right. We feel loved when we are heard. And so when I speak to someone who maybe does similar practices or at the very least is on a personal development mode. Right. I am understood. Yeah. And and if I'm not understood, then we talk about what we don't understand and we experience each other. And then we, you know, move to a place of silence and experience each other more and then do a dance where I come away better and i hope you do too right leave them better than you found them 
Yeah. Right. And it's it, there's no cherished outcome to the idea of like, I can't tell you how to be better after I found you. Right. <laughs> right? right. <laughs> right? Yeah. But I'm not going to like harm you intentionally. I, yeah. I want to uplift you. I want to inspire you. I want you to be most awesome. And that's everybody I meet. Yeah. Right. Like I love to just love that. It, it just is the baseline. Right? Yeah. And one thing that I have seen often and it, it it really brings like a sour note to my heart where somebody gets into the occult because, okay, so, so like your perspective is one that, that I often see where, you know, the occult is empowering them towards or their ritual or their practice or however they define themselves, you know, is empowering them towards the self-betterment and the better communication with others and that sense of community and feeling fulfilled at the end of the day, right? Sure. Because I get fulfilled by being a member of a community and them feeling fulfilled, and that generates the positive emotions that I want to experience in my life in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Like, what do you really want? Do you want to be fucking miserable and all-powerful, or do you want to be fucking surrounded by people you love? Like, and still be all-powerful. And still be all-powerful, right? <laughs> like, and and it, it breaks my heart, because like a lot of times, you'll, you'll come across people who, uh, you'll be like, well, you know, like, uh, why are you getting into this? What is it that, you know, you're getting out of it? Or, you know, they're asking for book recommendations. They're asking for you know, access to the temple, you know, they want to, you know, maybe initiate with that group or the other group or like those types of things. And you're like, well, what is it that uh, is drawing you here? You know? And they're like, I want power over others. I want to destroy my enemies. I want to make everyone hurt the way I hurt. And I it's can, like, it's you know so what? much work. It's so much work to do that. It's so exhausting. Yeah. Just, but then there's also this, like, <laughs> right. I think it's super exhausting, but there's this other side of it too, where it's like, is that really what you want? Do you really want like to just destroy or do you want to not feel the pain? Cause is it, is it that I want to make others hurt? Like, like I hurt or is it that you want to stop hurting? You know, I mean, like, the truth is right. One would think that it would be, I want to stop hurting. Yeah. Right. And you deserve um, to stop hurting. Absolutely. Like, right. And I, this idea of, well, they caused me pain, so I need to punish them. Right. Um, like I'd, I'd rather, if you I'd rather want, hit a point where I don't, your bullshit doesn't affect me. Exactly. I've risen above like, it you know, like, I just kind of want to be like, okay, I don't have any time for that. I'm yeah, out. Because right. <laughs> like, I'm going to yeah. go over here where these other people are going, hey, I see you. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, wasting time um, on people that could care less about your well being. Yeah. Well, Don't, and, why? you know, like, often yeah. the people that are feeling this way, you know, it's coming from a place of, like, it's coming from a place of pain. Like, sure. Because the times that I have been, uh, that I have been willing to wrong others uh-huh. have been the times in my life where I was the most consumed by my own depression, my own pain, my Absolutely. own internal torment, right? Absolutely. And uh, when I see people that are, like, reaching out for that, where they're like, what's the best book to curse someone? What's the best way to summon a demon to make me all powerful and rule my enemies? How do I, you know, take control of that other person's life? Like when they start asking those kind of questions, the first thing I think to myself is I really hope that you work through this pain that you're suffering right now because that's what, well, that's what it is, right? Yeah. Deep pain. And, um, I have compassion for it. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, and you, that's not the way to stop being in pain. Yeah. Um, you know, causing more pain just causes more pain. Right. Um, 
I don't know if you're going to be able to transmute your stuff by doing it that way. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, you know, know, like okay. I went through a really dark stage <laughs> where I was, you know, I I wasn't using magic aggressively towards others, but I was uh, using my spoken word in like ways that was hurting other people. And sure. I was, you know, maybe like maybe like the 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 ways that I went about problem solving was abrasive and, you know, like. I was willing to stomp on others in order to get what I wanted because I deserve it and blah, 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 you know. And uh, every step that I took in that direction, I suffered more. Until I was just like, you know what, fuck all of this bullshit. Fuck all of them. Fuck all of everybody else in the world. And now I've done the worst thing I can possibly do. Which is I've isolated from every single fucking person in the world. And now I'm in the ultimate hell. That I have created for myself. Congratulations. You're the most powerful being in, the, in your universe. No one else even exists because you have banished them all from your life. Great job, dumbass. You know? <laughs> right? and, I'm like, like oh, oops. And I'm talking to myself <laughs> in the past when I say that. Like, like, if, <laughs> and so if, a lot of the experience of, of uh, working on myself and working on myself through the paradigm of ritual, through the paradigm of, uh, of alchemy in specific has been really potent for change, um, as, well as, as well as a lot of hermetic systems have been really inspiring for me to be able to analyze like the different stuff that's going on and sometimes externally and sometimes internally, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, for me, it has been like, all right, bud, you hit rock bottom, you dumb piece of shit. Now climb out of it. Cause you, you don't feel better down here. Now you're in a locked steel box. You know, there's nobody else to talk to, you know? And like, at first it feels great. Cause it's like, it's like, fuck yeah, they hurt me and now I hurt them and I turned out the victor and I'm more powerful. And there's something empowering about like being the, the, uh, the dictator, you know, the archetype of the dictator. You know, like there's something about like, because you never have to address your own bullshit and anybody else that comes to challenge your power gets, fun, you know, smote. And, and there's something empowering about that. Well, there, but it's, it's a false empowerment. It's a false empowerment. Like, it is a false empowerment. And, and I remember... Um, this one time where I did that yeah, and I was like in second grade and I got on the bus and this girl was sitting in my seat and I was like, get out of my seat. Mm -hmm. She's like, no, I'm sitting here. And I'm like, get out of my seat. She's like, no, I'm sitting here. And so I pulled her hair mm -hmm. and you know, people might laugh about that, but I was mean. And I was like, you're in my way. How dare you be in my way? This is where I want to be. Right. Like it sums up exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And then after that experience, because she did not give way and more power to you, sister. Right. More right. Power yeah, to yeah. You. Now right. looking back, you're Thank like, good you. job. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you for holding your own. And later I felt so guilty. Yeah. So guilty. Right. And the feeling of guilt is not a happy feeling at all. It's a, it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's it's disturbing. At least it was to me. And it was this place where I realized, where I began to realize, and of course moved more deeper into the philosophy of what I realized at that time. I was in second grade, remember that. So right, right. but I realized I that, figured from the hair pulling as opposed right, to the but, you know, uh, but shank. the <laughs> I felt so guilty and I hated how I felt so bad. Yeah. That I decided, well, if I don't want to feel like that, I shouldn't behave like that. Yeah. 
right? And so I would, that's how I started to live my life. I don't want to feel guilty about what I'm doing. I want to feel good about what I'm doing. I want to go home and, you know, snuggle with my little lamb and read my book and, and not be all mind fucked right. by guilt and, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And you were a horrible person. Like, I, you know, you, you get to choose how you feel. Mm -hmm. um, when you make conscious decision around, wow, I don't want to feel that. So if I don't want to feel guilty, how about behaving in a manner where I don't have to feel guilty? Yeah. And, and there's, there's something about like, if my, if, if I'm consumed by that desire for power and vengeance and, you know, what I consider to be that like domineering strength as opposed to like, like real empowering strength, right? If I'm if I'm consumed by that, every time I see a person, what is my initial reaction? Puff the chest out. Oh yeah, get yeah. Like, I'm I'm over you. Know, you. I've like, got that power over you. I'm better than you. I'm uh, right. You know, I deserve more than you. Whatever it is, right. right? And that's not really actually. It doesn't actually feel good. It uh -huh. feels if what it really feels like is oh, there's a threat. Well, I'm gonna fucking get the threat and like blah blah blah. I'm gonna right? hit them before they hit me. And right. I mean, I mean, you can't if, have if good relationships life, if that's your mode. Right, but if your reaction <laughs> to life is aggression, if you, if you get into the mode where you're like, I'm going to fight everything in the entire universe and I'm going to win, then everything in your life will be a fight and you'll always be fighting. But if you start to accept the idea that, like, your reaction to these situations can be love, it can be introspection, it mm -hmm. can be these positive sides of things, even when something shits in your face. So you're you're having if you're totally consumed by the dark, right? Mm -hmm. Then your reaction to the universe is your own self torment. True. You torture yourself with your own fucking emotional state. You isolate yourself. The few times you do have a friend is because you know you're powerful and they're powerful, but you'll turn against each other anyway. Right. You know, just, just give it a couple of months and you know, right. I don't know how much of friends you're really going to be. Right. Cause, uh, the ego can get in the way of those two individuals, like really having a good time. Right. But if you, if you go on to the other end of the spectrum, like now your initial reaction to experience in life is positive. And now you live in paradise. Everything feels good. I meet a stranger. Hi, it's nice to meet you. This right. is just a fucking friend I haven't met yet. Let's have the yeah. adventure. Something happens out in the world and you're like, oh shit. Like, you know, I, I broke something that, that I really fucking love. You know, like, man, I, yeah, know, right? I, now I know I should <laughs> strap it down. All right, cool. There's a lesson I didn't know. Right. Everyone. And it, you, so your response to the negative and the positive and the unknown starts to become a positive response. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if, you live in a world of negative responses, then the world is hell. Everything sucks for you. Well, and if I you mean, live in a world of positive responses, you're in a fucking paradise. And let's back up. For, let's let's back up from the negative positive thing for a little okay. bit and do yeah. a little definition around that. Right? Okay. There's the negative response where my life sucks and it's everybody else's fault. Absolutely. Right. That's the hell I think you're talking about. Right? Absolutely. It's everybody else's fault. I'm in torment because you're doing this to me. Um, and then there's what I would classify as the negative response, the on response of, oh, wow, I kind of sucked there. I was an asshole. Right. Right. That's an acknowledgement, right, in that space. And we can say, oh, I can balance that now. Yeah. See, now you're queuing into, I think you're kind of queuing into, to me it sounds like, uh, to the third category, which I was going to build on, which I think is really, really interesting, right? Because then there's a there's eventually this other option other than 
everything in the world is fucking rainbows and sunshine. Right. And Unicorns, farts, right? <laughs> really, it's not the best fucking way to live, right? Or everyone else is my enemy. Right. Right? I'm consumed by fear and torment and anger and conf- confrontation and I'm alone, right? There are two ends of a spectrum and really existing somewhere in the middle with a, with a healthy balance in between them allows you to go, you know, I should incorporate this part of myself that I'm denying exists. I could have been better in that moment. Mm-hmm. I could build myself up and become a better person and actually progress, actually not have to delusion myself into super positive rainbows and sunshine land and just be a better person build up right Mm -hmm. and i I do kind of think of that as like the next the next logical step you know well i think it is i mean i think that um it's about responding yeah overreacting because you know those extremes react yeah okay so right i love the responding versus reacting thing Please explain it so that it's captured on the podcast. Okay. So um, we react because we're triggered or we react because we're hangry. We react because, oh, you know, we're surprised. Right. Um, I think that um, balance is more likely when we choose to pause, even if we react inside ourselves or even like jump back. To pause and say, whoa, what do I want my actual response to be? Because... Yeah, to take the extra time to go, here's the stimuli. Right. My reaction would be anger or my reaction would be, you know, anything. Any any, any, any Whatever, it is, whatever but, the split second is. And and how do I want to respond? Do Is this right. actually an anger thing or, did, or am I just like off? Right. Or whatever. Because, again, we talked earlier about all the waters and how, you know, we get knocked off of balance easy. Absolutely. Um, so really learning how to respond rather than react makes sense to me because my response is, oh, wow, um, I feel really anxious. Um, when I'm anxious, uh, you know, say I have a tendency to snap at people cause I'm anxious or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, because I'm in a fear state. Right. Right. Oh, I'm really anxious. Okay. What's making me anxious. Can I remove myself from the stimuli is a response, yeah. not I'm going to be freaked out and making everybody miserable because I'm anxious, but I'm not willing to do something about my anxiety. Right. And like the difference between a reaction and a response is that, that whether it's a half second or a five second or a 10 minutes that you recluse into some other space, it's the amount of time that you give yourself Mm -hmm. in between the stimuli and whatever action comes out of you next. Exactly. If you do it immediately, then you are reacting to a thing, reacting. reacting to the stimuli. If you give yourself enough time to engage the cognitive side of you or the emotional side of you in order to make sure that your action that comes next is going to be something that is the way that you want it to be as opposed to the way that it forced you to be, mm-hmm. that extra three seconds It really makes a difference. difference it really makes a difference. And especially if we can catch ourselves when we are triggered or we are like, what the, yeah. you know, um, that, that giving ourselves space really matters yeah. um okay I, I, i'm gonna do a shout out uh, to the silence workshop oh yeah right um that place right giving space there's rests in music oftentimes people see you know see music as it's not the notes that are being played but the notes that are not being played yeah right so how do we give space a place of stillness a place of pause um before we really come out of the gate with 
you know, oh, wow, I, I got really angry about that. Like, am I going to express this anger or am I going to choose another way to respond? I'm still feeling the anger, maybe. Right. Right. right? Um, and don't suppress that either. Right. Don't run away from the fact that the anger exists. Not don't at all. Don't deny its existence. Recognize and go, I'm feeling anger. I'm not anger. Right. The, one I'm of the stupidest anger. things we ever say to ourselves it's is, just, I, I am, am angry. Something. Right. Yeah. You know? I am angry. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, be like, like, oh, I'm experiencing uh, the sensation of anger and this mm-hmm. is the stimuli for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to choose to react to the anger in insert whatever your will is, right. like whatever your, your actually It's a passing thing, right? It's a yeah. passing thing. And so being able to say, wow, I, I, I'm feeling anger in response to that stimuli. And the initial response is to <clears throat> back, you know, to growl back. Yeah, the reaction. The is reaction like, is to growl back. Yeah. And the, the ability to give yourself a minute and say, I, I don't want to express that energy out of me. Right. Right. Um, it doesn't mean we don't feel the anger. We can look at that person and say, wow, I really feel angry about that. I want to talk to you about that. Uh, I can't right now. Right. Right. And one of the reasons why I think that extra time helps, mm-hmm. you know, it really can be a half second. Or sometimes you need some, you need some introspection time. You need to spend 20 minutes on Absolutely. the idea. Right? And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons why reaction will always be first and um, – Whereas response is always going to be last is because the front of your brain is the part that is the intellectual side. It's the Mm -hmm. self. It's the, it's the, it's the part of the brain that evolved last. It's the thing that makes you human. Mm -hmm. It's the seat of your consciousness. You know, when you think of where is the you in you, if I cut off your foot and I throw it out the window, did I throw you out the window? You know, how many parts of you can we really take away before (laughs) I've removed the you? Most people associate themselves with this seat right about here, uh-huh. right? And that's really the part of your brain that creates that human experience, right? Now, the the more primal side of your brain is located right at the back of this, you know, the part that, that does all the automatic responses, the anger, the fight or flight, the mm-hmm. how does your heartbeat, you know, how does your lungs breathe? What is your response to, uh, you know, like with adrenaline and like, you know, getting everything going really, really strong because, you know, I mean, it's a primal reaction. And so sure. it's like, it's like there's a bear. You're you're a caveman. Well, and there's so, the saber tooth tiger fear yeah, the saber or stuff tiger. versus yeah, yeah. the the thing that's you know oh this is a conditioned response or this is a right. response I've subscribed to. Anger's always helped me before, has it? Right, right. So, okay, so that, so, you know? <laughs> yeah. so one of the reasons why that yeah. matters, right, yeah. is because if you look at your nervous system, the thing that is the farthest away from all of the other things is the front of your brain, not the back of your brain. Mm-hmm. Even though this is the seat of your consciousness, you're, the information has to travel a whole extra seven or eight inches mm-hmm. before it can get to your mouth, to your eyes, to your body, mm-hmm. to do the physical things, right? Now, that's a really, really important thing if you're, like, designing something that needs to survive in the wilderness. There's a caveman. The saber-toothed tiger's right there. Is like, put the fight or flight right next to the, to the spinal column so that that information can instantly get out of the brain, send out a response, and the reaction action is boom there it goes right right? but if you're gonna interact with your humanity you have to give it the extra two seconds to not let that part of the brain be the part that fires first exactly like yeah i i I mean i think giving it a minute you know in that metaphorical minute it might actually be a minute it might Might be be the five seconds yeah Yeah. absolutely. Um, absolutely and uh i think that's i think that's a seat of 
um, love for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, giving ourselves space to how do I want to actually project my energy into the world. Mm-hmm. And reactions are reactions and responses are deliberate. Yeah. Right. And um, I think that, you know, at least in our community, we're intentional beings. Yeah. And there's, there's something really real about, about the difference between a reaction and a response is which thing was in control. Mm-hmm. Were you in control and you're responding to something the way that you think that you should and that you choose to do? Mm-hmm. Or are you reacting to something and you're the slave of your reactions? So when you say something like, well, he made me so angry and so I screamed at him. Mm-hmm. You're being ruled by the anger. When you say, yeah, that thing that he said made me really angry and I chose to mm-hmm. do this instead or separate myself from the situation, speak in a certain tone. Do, maybe, you, maybe you chose. Maybe it was a healthy time to tell the person to go fuck themselves. It, That's acceptable too. Absolutely. Set healthy boundaries for yourself. One of but the, at least now you're in the driver's seat. You're in the seat. driver's seat. And, and to remember that our reactions... Mm-hmm. Our information, hello data stream, when we react to things, that's information for us. Like, oh, I'm really angry about this. Wow, why am I angry? Right? Um, anger can be a really good friend of yours. It tells you something's wrong. Yeah. Okay? And it's not just saber, you know, like, well, you know, that's the fear response, saber-toothed yeah, tiger. Yeah, saber tiger. But, like, anger response or, yeah. because of whatever is going on. It's good information. Right. Um, someone mistreated you. Somebody it mistreated you. It was absolutely you. disrespectful to you. Um, they were Made disrespectful. Um, they told you who you were. You were they, cheated by a company were, or a it, person. You know, you know whatever. Like, there is, And it really does come down to I'm not being seen. I'm not being heard. Mm-hmm. Right, that I'm being disrespected, which means that on this layer, like you don't actually see me as another entity that is equal to you. Right, right, um, and so anger's our friends. It says, "Hey, I, I, this is not a great situation. This this was in, this was disrespectful to me, or this doesn't feel good, or um, wow, why am I always angry when I'm with this person?" Right. Information. Maybe you don't want to be with that person. Right. We're not talking about making them bad. We're talking about how I feel in my situation, in my life, with whatever the stimuli is. I get to hopefully choose the stimuli. Yeah. Right? That's the response. I'm going to choose the stimuli. Right. Um, and so that I can be in more response mode. Rather than react mode. Now, obviously, we're, we live in a world where reactions going to happen. I, right? We're going to react. Yeah, we're going to react. I don't think it's possible to completely avoid it. No, I mean, we're going to react. Think, I, yeah, I just... But what, one thing that I will say as well is that uh, anger, confrontation, and, and potentially even violence, depending on the situation, you know, there is a time to unleash that beast, right? There is a time where it is healthy and okay for you to scream in someone's face. Mm-hmm. It's not every time that you get angry. No, it's not every time you get throw, angry. You shouldn't kick the beast out entirely. You should rule the beast. You should make sure that you only utilize that tool when it is absolutely necessary. Don't let it run your life. But like, 
don't get around to anger either, you know? No, I'm not Be really able to stand into up for excising yourself. parts of us that are like, you know, like that's anger is something that happens. We're human. It's a part of who it's we are. It's a part of who we yeah. are. Um, and, you know, I recently was in a situation where I was really, really angry about what was going on. And it was a, a situation that happened over time. Mm-hmm. And I found myself being so consistently angry that I just finally looked in the mirror one day and said, there's a reason you're angry. Maybe you ought to unpack that yeah. instead of just being angry. Right. Um, and I did. And I didn't like what I saw. And I was like, well, I don't want to live in this environment. Right. Oh, wow. I'm sorry that didn't work out with that person. I really love that human. Yeah. And that's not only just true with anger either. I think it's true with a it's lot true of with the negative any emotions of the things, and right? experiences. Like, yeah. like depression is a really, really good red flag that something in your daily life is not right. It's true. Now, don't get me wrong. There, there, there are a plethora of people that maybe something about that is just genetic. Something's just a misbalance. That, that totally happens. And I'm not discrediting their experience. And I hope that those people get help in any way that we can get them help. But... There's also a very true component that often depression is like a warning sign that, hey, something you're doing to your body or yourself or your mind, it's not right. Anger is a similar one. So, mm-hmm. you know, like you find yourself mm-hmm. getting angry all the time. And you, right. It, like something's not right. You it's kind of have to like give yourself. Yeah, it's, it's information. information. It's and information. It, and it tells you to take a look at things. I mean, you know, depression is complicated. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and, 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 you know, there's situational depression. I Absolutely. feel bad because this thing is happening or I'm Absolutely. doing this or I'm putting this in my body. That's the kind of depression that you're going to be like, whoa, wait a second. Oh, okay. Yeah. That doesn't feel good. Uh, I, don't, I don't want that in my life. That makes me feel down. Right. Um, for, for me, the moment in my life where I was the most depressed, it was an incredibly loud warning sign that there was something in my lifestyle that needed to change because I was working nights and I hadn't seen the sun in a year and I also wasn't around people. So Mm -hmm. it was dark all the time, and I was alone all the time. And it made me really, really, really depressed in a way that is uh, honestly kind of terrifying that that I can be reduced down to that thing, you know? And uh, I would never say that all depression is the same Mm -hmm. or that everybody's experience is the same. But I would say that if you're experiencing a lot of depression, it's probably a good time to sit down and go, is there some factor that I do that could be contributing to this that I have like a way to change? In my case, it was I need to change jobs so that I'm around people, so I'm awake during the daylight, and so I'm spending more time with my family, right? And for other people, it might be I need to stop drinking. Sure. It might be I'm spending too much time on a screen. It might be I'm not taking care of myself in some plethora of ways. Right. And in some, in some people, it might just be you know, my brain doesn't produce the right amount of dopamine and serotonin. I need to like get on a medication or talk to a doctor about certain types of techniques that will enable me to increase that chemical compound. So like, it's always going to like manifest differently, but like all of those dark things, the depression, the anger, the sadness, the, the things that really have the potential to like rule you from that emotional reaction side, they're good information. They're really good information. They're like the, they're really, really, really good really information. Good information. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I am appreciative of that kind of like uh, information about myself because I can really unpack that, find out what's going on in my world, make yeah. my world a better place. Yeah. I mean, 
I feel like I am empowered to make my world a better place, my personal world a better place. That's all I can do. I can't do it for you. I can't yeah. do it for them. I can do it for me. And that's what we come back to. That's good information. How do I change this for me? Right. And, you know, you know, let's not slide down the well, no, I'm just going to do it for me because I'm, you know, I'm a, the only thing that's important. No, come back to I'm doing it for me, for me, but I'm also doing it so could, I can exist better in the world. Right. Yeah, and that's one thing is like, a, okay, so it's a really, really common realization. And uh, I often hear it with people that are experimenting with psychedelics. I often hear it with people that are experimenting with uh, religious philosophies. I often hear it with people that are just like really analyzing what it means that there is a universe, you know, from like a more pragmatic scientific side. It's common for people to recognize, I am one water droplet in an ocean. I am part of the whole. I'm one individual in the mass that is the multiple, right? Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a mind-blowing realization, and it's really, really exciting and interesting. But then, like, there's the next step. There's the next question, which is like, all right, if I am, is there a relationship with that whole as as above so below thing that we all seem to be pointing out often when we're talking about that <laughs> being right. a part of the whole you know like yeah. like if i improve myself does the universe improve like can i build the universe into a better place by addressing my own shit you know like is there you does it make the, the my community healthier if i'm healthier and Honestly, it's it's one of those ideas that gets thrown around a lot in like philosophy, like that idea of like, you know, like Gandhi, for example, Gandhi said, be the change you want to be in the world. Right. right. And that's a really brilliant pointing directly at this as above, so below concept, you know, mm -hmm. and it, to be fair, I'm I'm using as above, so below in in just this one respect. It's a much wider idea and taps into way other topics as well. Sure, so there's, don't there's think that layers this is there. The there's whole layers. Ex explanation of as above, so below. This is just so one example of it. I've got this. I, I guess you would call it a Cohen, or you know, just some kind of saying that um, has stuck with me since I heard it first. Now, I do not know who this is originally attributed to. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that disclaimer, right? <laughs> but I heard it, and I said, oh. And it's, it's, if nothing we do matters, then the only thing that matters is what we do. I like that. I'm going to have to sit with that one for a while, though. I, huh. Yeah, because, it, it, you know, one of the things that it reminds me of it is it reminds me of nihilism, mm -hmm. where a lot of people use nihilism as, an, as a reason to be all shitty and depressed about everything. But nihilism is actually liberating in the fact that it says nothing fucking matters. So you matter. Right. You know, like, cheerfully nihilistic <laughs> over here. I'm like, Oh yeah. yeah, right? yeah. Cause, cause, like, Cause like, if you are this insignificant speck of dust right. moving through the universe at a billion miles an hour and only existing for half of a fucking second, the only thing that matters is your immediate reality because right. You know, and, and how do I want to be in the world? How do you want to be in yeah. the world? Right? Like yeah, 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 I'm exactly. choosing how I want to be in the world. Yeah. And, and for me that, that stuck with me. I, I, I heard that and I went, huh? And then I had to go, meditate on that for a few months and yeah. then it just became part of that consistent meditation for right. me it's it's part of my worldview now like what am you know if if nothing matters then then what i'm doing right now matters yeah how do i want to be in the world because that matters right 
Um, it's often a, it's often a problem of scale. I've noticed mm-hmm. if I zoom too far in, my ego gets too too big, right? And if I zoom too far out, I get depressed. And and it, it, it I'll use an example that is the broad stroke of life. But when I when I noticed this, I noticed it in every aspect of my life. And it, you can be you can flip it on its head where you can go you can go. I am depressed now. I should try to zoom in a little bit mm-hmm. or vice versa. Right. Um, but like to use the really broad stroke example, you are this gigantic mass of billions, trillions of atoms, all spinning around, interacting with each other. Yeah. And if you zoom in far enough in the world, you realize that you are fucking ginormous. You are godlike. The way that you shape these trillions of things to your will. And from their perspective, you know, from the perspective of the atom, mm-hmm. they don't even realize your greatness. You are god in that situation. Mm-hmm. The entire environment of the atom is is just blown apart and shaped and shifted and and you also are a member of a species that's capable of of utilizing something like the electron in order to you know to, to i mean really calculate anything <laughs> on earth right. and to fly things in the sky and to i mean it's it's godlike power sure that's a really really easy way to get lost in the ego trip you know mm-hmm. and then on the end of the spectrum, if you're zoomed way, way, way too far out, if you're like, the universe is so vast that nothing at all matters, I am worthless, nothing I will ever do will ever make a change, because there are billions of stars, trillions of stars in the universe, all of them planets operating around them, they will all exist for, you know, right. for forever, and I will only exist for a blink of an eye, and if my only goal was tr- to try to draw a straight line in reality, if I used every moment of my life to do nothing but draw a line on the ground from here to there, it would be so minuscule that no one would ever find it anyway. I'm fucking worthless, right? And, and, and I realized when I was inspecting that idea is that I can change my scope of how zoomed in or zoomed out I am mm-hmm. in order to find the interesting sweet spot where it's like, you know what? If I zoom into the size, instead of looking at the size of the atoms and the experience of that and being consumed by that, and instead of looking at the size of the universe and being consumed by that, what if I think about the scale of this hotel room? Right. The size of me. Yeah. Right. What if, what if I think about just this one interaction and how, how meaningful and important it is to sit down and talk to my friend for an hour? Right. Right. I mean, that's, that's issue the truth. That's, that's, it's, it's an issue of scale. Where is your lens focused? Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, and like newsflash, you're in control of where the lens is focused. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, and I found it in other places too, where I was like, I was like, man, I feel really shit at my job. Like, I feel like, you know, like I'm looking at the large corporate structure that is me being in this, you know, like I'm, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole and like, how much does my contribution really help this multi-billion dollar company and blah, blah, blah. And then if you... If you go, hang on, I'm depressed, zoom in, what is my day like? Person calls me up, and I help them. And that's a meaningful fucking thing. Mm-hmm. You know? I fucking helped. I made somebody's day easier. That makes me feel good. That fills me with a positive feeling. You know? They had a much easier day. They appreciated me. They, mm-hmm. you know, I got to connect with a person for a couple of minutes. 
Like that's actually like a really cool thing. And you, know? you have the choice to make that interaction really awesome or make it shitty. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm in control of it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so did they, right? Like, Absolutely. I mean, they yeah. could start off being really, like, kind of an asshole. Yeah. And you were like, okay, I- I'm not going to go with that flow. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna energetically come at it in a way that hopefully won't make them more angry, but we'll diffuse it. Right. And, you know, if we're successful in that, then that's a win, right? We all get into a better vibe. Yeah. We all get into a better, oh, let's actually solve this problem instead of yelling at each other for 20 minutes. You yelling at me for 20 minutes, so I don't want to solve your problem. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, I, I'm, I, I tell people I'm introverted by nature, which is true, and yet I have learned how to communicate and be, um, you know, have social skills. And the reason I've chosen to do that is because the interaction with others matters that much. I don't care if they're the Walmart person behind the checkout. <laughs> it has got to be a shit job. I'm going to come smiling and be happy and have an interaction make, you know, I'm having a better time at Walmart now. I hope they're having a better time too at Walmart. Right. You know, uh, you know, um, you know, the telemarketers or you call the people up on the phone and you've, you've yelled at the phone because it's press three or say some such for this. And you're yelling at the phone because the phone recognition doesn't, doesn't work. Doesn't work or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, so by yeah. the time you get to the person, you're a little agitated. Yeah. And here we go into reaction response. It's not their fault, right? Stop a minute. Say, oh, wow, this person's probably already been yelled at today. Right. Do I want to do that too? Or do I want to have a good time? And, you know, you'll get the ones that have the scripts, right? And I'm like, no, 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 don't do the script with me. Okay, <laughs> we're going to have a good time. Let's have a conversation. Let's me treat you as a human being. I know you want to help me. Let's let's have a good time and let's get this done. Right. Right. Um, that again, all that matters is what you do. I could have made it really shitty for all of us. Or I can make it a nice time. Right? Yeah. And the thing I like the most about that, and I think a really, really solid finishing point for the conversation is that you're suggesting that you're in the driver's seat, that you're the one in control, that like, like whether we're looking at like the perspective side of it or that we're looking at the action side of it or that we're looking at the, um, like the uh, internal state, emotional well-being side of it or the being a part of a community side of it, like in all of those situations, like where is the thing that's making all of those things happen and come into existence and manifest? In I am. I am making the choice. Right. I am God. I am. I am right. creating that. Exactly. Right. I mean, right. we are creators. I I <laughs> believe it a lot more full heartedly than than people realize. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do think that. Uh, I I do think that. There's a lot of layers to this that there's more to experience, that there's like bigger things than myself. Um, but at the end of the day, in my reality, I get to choose what I look like or what I look like, what I look at, what's, a, what's affecting me, how I respond to things or react to things. 
how big my focal lens is and that recognition that I'm part of a whole and that I'm in control of my part of the whole means that I get to craft this little section of the community, this little section of reality, you know? And the thing that, the thing that I love the most about this weekend and this group of people is the incredible amount of support and empowerment towards doing that, towards being the driver. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, I I like – this is my meat suit. I'm going to operate it. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm going to do all the all the layers. I'm going to operate this this thing that I get to do here. Yeah. Labor and heroism of incarnation. Like, it's a fun thing to meditate on. It is. Right? <laughs> you know? It's a really good quote for it, um, And, um, you know, I think that's, that, that's it, right? Yeah. Really – who we are and how we are is our choice. Yeah. Well, Lyric, I, as always at the end of our long conversations, feel like we should and will go on for the next six hours. <laughs> right? And I know that, I know that the next time that I see you, it, it's kind of crazy how often we run into each other with how far apart we live. It's true. It's true. Cause we I've live across you, the country. I've seen you three times this year. I know, spent right? more time with you than I have friends that live in my town. And we literally live on opposite sides of a continent. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's good. I'm like, I I, who do I want to be with? Oh, Nate. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> It's fun. It's yeah. fun. You're so fun. So I really, I really appreciate having you on the podcast. I really appreciate your views and your ideas and like sharing and connecting with, you know, connecting with me and giving me an opportunity to share that connection with other people so that they can like observe that interaction. I grow from being around you. I love and appreciate you. And I hope that you'll actually come back at a later time. I, I would love to. This is something that, you know, yeah. we'll do again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. Oh, um, of course. <laughs> I really appreciate you know it. I'm having a ball. We were sitting downstairs. Like, That's my friend. <laughs> you know, we were sitting downstairs and we were having a great conversation. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, like, I should bring someone onto the podcast and have a good time talking. And then we were, like, talking for, like, 40 minutes. And I was like, man this is a really good conversation. <laughs> yeah. Wish we were doing it upstairs yeah. with the microphones. We, we could just be in different chairs. Right? You know? right. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Thanks for listening to the Whitewood Podcast. This show is made possible by our Patreon members. You can find us on Twitter at Whitewood Show and on Facebook at Whitewood Podcast. For links to all our social media and information about our Patreon, visit us at whitewoodpodcast.com.